Hey Northside, I hope you guys have had an absolutely blessed last couple of weeks. It's great to see you again. Um, whenever this goes out, Tuesday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever day it is, um, I hope you enjoy uh, this lesson on fasting today. Um, something that I'm a little bit less practiced and less familiar with. Um, so I, I'm pretty excited to have this opportunity to teach. Um, as a teacher, I am a firm believer that the two most important questions that we always need to answer are why and how. If I took a biochemical perspective to this, um, oftentimes the what, who, where, and when, those are the ones that are known. Um, specifically thinking about how two molecules would interact with one another, it's often pretty easy to determine why the two molecules would interact with each other, um, what their function is, where the reaction takes place, and when the reaction will occur. Um, a lot of molecules, one will have the shape like this, the other will have a shape like this, they'll fit together, they'll react, that'll be their function. So it, it, it's really straightforward as to usually, however a molecule looks, that's what its function will be. But the questions um, that we often have are, why are those two molecules interacting with each other? Or why has this molecule and this molecule been designed to fit together in such a perfect way? Um, and how are they being brought together? That's another great question that we need to have answered. Um, if you take my breakfast for an example, um, oftentimes, um, I'm, I'm now an adult, uh, I own my own place, I'm a, an adult, and so uh, I indulge myself in adult breakfasts, which um, are these Jumbo Lucky Charms, the Magical Unicorn Flavor Edition. Um, and that's because I was neglected as a child, uh, my parents often bought me not-so-special K. Ugh. Um, when I eat breakfast, it's obvious that these disgusting um, marshmallow unicorns will be converted into energy. And uh, we as biochemists know that that energy is, has the name of adenosine triphosphate, or ATP. We know exactly which molecules and enzymes will help with that process through the glycolysis pathway, which you will be able to see right there. Um, and we know that this takes place in the cytoplasm, so the open space of individual cells. Um, and we know that this process will occur when the body is deficient in energy or shortly after eating, that your body will break down sugars, try to get you um, some more energy. But questions that always perplex scientists are, why does this happen? What sort of things is this process trying to prevent? How does this reaction actually go about happening? Um, and why isn't it done in one step instead of this ridiculous 10 step pathway that I had to memorize as like one of 10 different reactions um, for one of my biochemistry classes. So me, I took a similar approach to fasting. I know what it is, I know when it usually happens, and I know who has done it, but I've never really understood how to properly do it or why you would ever put your body through that intense strain or stress. So naturally, I Googled it. Um, as a theological background, characters such as Moses, David, Elijah, Esther, Ezra, Daniel, Nehemiah, Anna, Paul, and Jesus have all fasted. Um, that would be considered like the hall of fame of the Bible. Those are some pretty famous characters. Jesus's language, additionally in the Bible, is also direct when saying when you fast. Not if you fast, but when you fast, here's how you do it. Uh, and that answers kind of the why of this sermon, I guess. So I guess for that part, my work here is done. I'm, uh, I'm obviously kidding. Much of this message uh, is going to surround and encompass fasting from food because that is the path that's usually taken in the Bible. However, I also believe that it's important to fast from other distractions in life as well. Uh, Richard Foster has a quote that says this. It says, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. And immediately when I hear that quote, I think of my cell phone. 
Um, if your first thought is, oh, I can't take a break from my phone, I need it for my email, or I need it to text uh, my lovely grandmother, thank you, you've just proved my point that your phone is controlling you. Um, Another maybe potential issue that you have is you're a workaholic and you need to actually fast from working. Um, my dad, this is an example for him. He would much rather be loving me, fixing my car, renovating our basement, online browsing the used car market for a new car for me. Um, he, for him, fasting is sitting outside and doing nothing and relaxing. Um, maybe it's the mechanical way you actually go about worshiping Jesus. Maybe you need to take a break from always doing your devotions in the morning or always praying at a certain time, changing how that experience is done. Change forces your body and mind to adapt, which means you will have increased awareness of what you are doing in those new circumstances. So to answer the why of fasting, I, I tried to look up some theological uh, backgrounds for why you would want to fast. And I found seven different reasons and seven different uh, avenues that you can take of fasting or reasons for doing it. So the first one is the preparation of ministry. Uh, one of the things that I've never really considered before writing this sermon was the timing of Jesus's 40 days spent in the wilderness. Uh, we see that scripture referenced in Matthew 4, 1 to 17, Mark 1, 12 to 13, and Luke 4, 1 to 4, which is the verse we'll uh, refer to and throw up on screen here. Jesus spent 40 days and nights in the wilderness fasting and praying, and he did this before he began God's work on this earth. Um, one commentary noted that he needed time alone to prepare for what his father had called him to do. So I think that's an avenue that we can take. Uh, Luke 4, 1 to 4 says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. So I think, absolutely, if we're preparing for a ministry opportunity, fasting is maybe a great avenue to take. Uh, the second way is to seek God's wisdom. And this is an action that I feel like I've been actively involved in recently with a number of gigantic life decisions headed my way. Uh, Paul and Barnabas, those are another example of people who fasted to seek God's wisdom. Uh, they prayed and fasted for the elders of the church before committing them to the Lord for his service. And we see that in Acts 14, 23, which says, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for the, uh, them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. The third way, uh, comes from one you're maybe less familiar with, which is to show grief. Uh, Nehemiah is an example that I, I personally am a little bit less familiar with, uh, but he mourned, fasted, and prayed when he learned Jerusalem's walls had been broken down, leaving the Israelites vulnerable and disgraced. And we can see the passage from Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 to 4 here, which said, The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. And when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned, fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. And one of the themes that we'll see that is kind of derived from Nehemiah here, um, but also we can see from Paul and Barnabas' example in Acts 14 as well, is that a lot of times mourning, fasting, 
and praying. Those are all things that come together. And more specifically, praying and fasting, those are two things that often are associated with one another. And a way of prophets or a way of biblical characters trying to access and be more available to what God is trying to say to them. Um, so we'll see that theme uh, repeated a number of times. Fourth example is from Ezra, where it is to seek deliverance or protection. What Ezra did is he declared a corporate fast and prayed for a safe journey for the Israelites as they made the 900 mile, that is a long distance trek, uh, from Jerusalem to Babylon. And that passage says this, There by Ahava uh, Canal, I proclaimed a fast that we might humble ourselves before God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from the enemies on the road because we had told the king the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. Uh, so Ezra is the main character of this story, but we see a collective group of people fasting, praying, and petitioning um, to God to be delivered or to be protected in a certain scenario. Uh, living in a world with a world pandemic, that seems like a fantastic opportunity for a group of Christians to take part and act in that same process, especially with um, heading back to school and the stresses that surround a lot of parents and children um, going back to those buildings. The fifth method is to repent. Uh, the best example of this comes from our boy Jonah, um, which I recently read, and it is the weirdest Bible chapter in the, it's the weirdest passage in the entire Bible. Um, but basically, after Jonah pronounced judgment against Nineveh, the king covered himself with sackcloth and satin dust. Now, I was unfamiliar with sackcloth with, um, with what it was. So sackcloth is usually made of black goat hair, and you can imagine it kind of being like those potato sack races. If you cut holes in the potato sack for your head, uh, your arms, that would basically be what this king was wearing, which is obviously not the most flattering attire for a king. Um, the other two things worth kind of mentioning is that this was a token of mourning for the Israelites, not the people of Nineveh. Um, and it was also a sign of submission to God. And that's shown in 1 Kings 20, 31 to 32. The other thing that it's a token of is of grief or self-humiliation. And that is uh, evidenced in 2 Kings 19, verse 1. Uh, and then in Jonah 3 verse 10, it says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. And so um, repenting, the people of Nineveh repenting in that, in that particular way, that was uh, a way that they fasted and expressed um, their repentance to God. And obviously we know what happens with the story of Nineveh. Um, and if you've seen Veggie Tales, you also know what can happen there. The sixth way is one that we probably won't encounter very often, but I think is still uh, a really good kind of um, a really good kind of way of us uh, recognizing what a fast is for. Uh, the Israelites did this; they were at the crux of a battle, and in the last two days, they had lost forty thousand men. Um, and in Judges 20, to, uh, Judges 20, verse 26, it says this. It says, Then all the Israelites, the whole army, went up to Bethel and sat there weeping before the Lord. They fasted that day until evening and presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings to the Lord. And the Israelites inquired of the Lord. In those days, the Ark of the Covenant of God was there uh, with Phinehas, son of Elzazar, son of Aaron, ministering before it. And they asked, Shall we go up again to fight against the Benjamites, our fellow Israelites, or not? The Lord responded, Go for tomorrow. I will give them into your hands. So again, fasting as a way of preparation for battle. 
Um, I listened to a sermon from Life Church from Craig Rochelle this last week, and the main point that he emphasized was that we are in a war. And so for us, we are in a battle. We do need to gain victory over the devil. Um, as a church, we need to come together and gain victory over the devil. And so this can be something that we are fasting for. Um, depending on what our church is taking place in or taking part in, it might be a, a good idea before we do an act of service to um, try to have victory in that moment and fast before as preparation. The last example, number seven, is to worship God. Luke 2 tells the story of an 84-year-old prophetess named Anna. Um, and in verse 37, it says, She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Again, we see those two phrases coming together. Anna was devoted to God, and fasting was one expression of her love for him. I love that verse. I, I found that verse um, scrolling through trying to find verses on fasting. And I, I think Anna is an amazing example of what fasting, what role fasting can have in our growing faith with Jesus Christ. As we practice and learn how to fast and we learn how to pray and we bring those two together, I think that can be an excellent way of us worshiping Jesus. So uh, there are a lot of beneficial health reasons to fast. Many diets include a fast or a cleanse. Um, to me, those are not reasons that should be included why you are fasting. Uh, those are side benefits. If it is, if you're including those reasons, I think you are dieting, not fasting. Fasting to me is an intentional spiritual act designed to increase your awareness of God's presence in your life, not as a result of some earthly desire to lose weight. I also think that the Bible demonstrates the importance of food um, as the primary medium of fasting, and I think that's something we need to recognize. But if eating food is a struggle for you, I would suggest that not be the focus of your fast. Um, I do think that, yes, it is important to emphasize that you should be eating healthily and taking care of your body, but it is, and it is biblically commanded, to enjoy your food. Um, I just like the way Ken Shigematsu goes about thinking, um, and it goes like this. He says, Jesus warned us against becoming too preoccupied with what we ate and drink. Um, the wisdom of the Desert Fathers is helpful here as well. They define gluttony not simply as overeating, but also as being too fastidious in our choices concerning food. Pope Gregory the Great defined gluttony as not just overeating, but as the penchant for eating costly meats and having a need for food to be daintily cooked. Uh, in a city like Vancouver, where Ken lives, or in Saskatoon, where we live, it's easy for a person to become a health food junkie. And their self-identity becomes so wrapped up in their eating choices that, ironically, rather receiving nourishment from the food they eat, they experience unhealthy amounts of stress. They approach meal times with fear rather than joy. Prudent spending and healthy choices are important, but the scriptures show us that God created food for our enjoyment as well as our nourishment. Uh, God provided food not merely as fuel for human beings, but also as a delight to our eyes and our taste buds as well. In Genesis 2 verse 9, it says, we read, um, it, The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. Maybe you don't struggle with eating. Maybe you're more like me, somebody who absolutely loves food. Maybe, maybe a little bit too much. Um, I often describe my freshman 15 belly as my Dorito belly. Um, I very much blame Doritos for my any weight that I've gained that has been bad weight. Uh, it seems I always have a hankering for a fresh bag of Doritos. And if this is true for you, I think fasting is a practice you may want to consider. Um, I believe that the wording is important there too. Fasting is a practice. It's not something that's achieved or understood immediately. Um, I can't put skates on your little children and expect them immediately to be Connor McDavid and get sent home before the playoffs can really even start. Um, nor can you expect yourself 
to fast for the first time and be hyper aware to all God is calling you to. Going back to a quote from uh, Richard Foster earlier, more than any discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. And importantly, fasting can help us ensure that God, not food or something else, is the focal point of our lives. Fasting frees us to feast on God. I think that quote is so cool. Fasting frees us to feast on God. In our hunger for food, we grow to understand um, our greater dependence on God, and our physical hunger reminds us that we are sustained by not bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So that kind of answers why we would want to fast, but in terms of how we go about fasting, I again went and visited Google and found our Fasting for Dummies website. And uh, here are the six steps that they presented, uh, which was start with a clear goal, prepare yourself spiritually, decide what to fast, decide how long you want to fast, uh, decide what you want to expect, and also decide how to end. Um, in terms of starting with a clear goal, why are you fasting? That, that would be my first question, and that is something that you need to answer. Uh, prepare, prepare yourself spiritually. We talked about repentance and confessing your sins. Maybe that's where you need to begin your fast. Uh, deciding what to fast, that's ultimately up to you. I'll talk about a few biblical examples in a second here, but that's ultimately up to you what you want to fast. Uh, deciding how long you want, the Bible does not give us clear direction on how long a fast should or shouldn't be, but whatever's effective for you, again, reminding yourself that fasting is a practice, I think is a good amount of time. Uh, what to expect. Here's a bit of a quote uh, from the website that I found. When you fast, your body detoxifies and eliminates toxins from your system. This can cause mild discomfort such as headaches and irritability during withdrawal from caffeine and sugar. And naturally, you will have hunger pains. Limit your activity and exercise moderately. Take time to rest. Fasting brings about miraculous results. You are following Jesus' example when you fast. Spend time listening to praise and worship. Pray as often as you can throughout the day. Get away from the normal distractions as much as possible and keep your heart and mindset on seeking God's face. And then in terms of how to end, uh, don't overeat right off the bat. Come back into it a little bit smoothly, eat some smaller meals, and then get back into your eating schedule. So this statement will sound uh, like a Captain Obvious, really redundant, what's the point in you saying that statement? Different people fast differently. Allow me to explain. Some people can handle a full fasting where they are only drinking liquids for a certain number of days. To others, it's much more valuable to do a partial fast, whether that be 24 or 12 hours. We see both examples in the Bible. And then we also see another example from Daniel where he approached a fasting with no meat, no sweets, and no bread. He drank water and he ate vegetables. And to him, that was a fast. So we have a lot of examples. I'll give you an example from my life. Um, 24 years ago, here is a picture on your screen of my lovely grandmother feeding me my first sip of coffee. Uh, since the time I was about 10 to 12-ish, I've had a cup of coffee every single morning um, to start off my day. About five-ish years ago, I started working as the program director at Good Spirit Bible Camp. Now, working for spring staff means that there are no cooks at the camp, meaning you're responsible for making your own food, but more importantly to me, you're responsible as well for making your own coffee. Out of complete laziness, I decided on May 1st that I was not going to make a cup of coffee because I didn't need it. I also decided at that time that I wanted to devote all of my time in ministry at camp to ministry, to Jesus. And so I decided for the month of May, I wasn't going to drink coffee. A few short hours later, I had the world's worst headache ever. But what was interesting was that 
even though I had headaches and even though I had caffeine um, desires and even though I realized that I am terribly addicted to drinking coffee, I never once lacked energy. And for those of you who have worked in camp ministry, you know that not lacking energy without coffee is nothing short of a miracle. Um, since that day, um, I have biblical backing for this, but I have started to call my coffee Jesus juice. That is trademarked. You may not use that. Um, I'm just kidding. But in Jeremiah 31 verse 25, it says, for I will satisfy the weary soul and every languishing soul I will replenish. Thus, coffee is Jesus juice. Um, since then, what's happened is I've come, I've come to look forward to the month of May. I actually really enjoy um, taking that traditional break from coffee for a month. And yes, I still get headaches and yes, they're really bad and really annoying, but the results the rest of the month are so valuable for me. Um, and that idea of enjoying fasting is an idea that Ken Shigematsu, he reiterates. He says this, contrary to what people assume, fasting can actually become a genuine delight. If your body is not accustomed to fasting, at first you will feel hunger pangs and experience physical weakness. As you progress in a fast, you will also feel a sticky coating on your tongue, a sign that you are detoxifying. Typically by the second or third day as you fast, your hunger will subside. And as you become more experienced with fasting, you will feel an energy lift and heightened sense of God in the world around you. So when I did my coffee fast, what I decided was that five-ish minutes that it takes to make a pot of coffee every single morning, I'm going to replace that with some devotional period. And this was at a time when all of my devotions were done in the evening. That was the only time at camp that I had time to actually sit down and read my devos with a sense of like, everything's complete. I don't need to worry about it. So doing devos in the morning when I should have been drinking coffee and also just relying on God to give me energy from his word was a very, very rejuvenating and healing uh, experience and adventure that I took. So when I reflect on my life, the things that control me and that I rely on would be coffee, food, and my phone. Um, trust me, the office gets better the 10th time you watch it. I promise. Uh, for you, it may be uh, work, it may be a habit or ritual you have, it may be relying on a calendar to pray, it may be following a devotional plan instead of letting the Lord lead your devotions, working out, um, having a house that always has music on, or even something as simple as social media. All of those things can distract us from God is trying to show us. And maybe it's worth seeing um, what you can hear or see without those distractions around. Furthermore, I think it's important to not just take a break from something, to not just during the time of Lent, take a break from using your phone, but also be intentional about how you are taking a break from that thing. So um, where are you putting your food if you're gonna take a break? Where are you putting your phone if you're taking a break from that? Um, but also how and why is God filling a void that you've created in your life? So the challenge for this week is fairly straightforward and simple, and it is to fast from something for a day or for two or for 12 hours, whatever you feel would be a good start to this practice of fasting. If you need to take six hours away from your phone and put it away, maybe that's something worth doing. Uh, maybe you are going to go from supper until next day and then eat supper the next day and see what that fast actually feels like. Some of the questions you can ask yourself um, and that I want you to challenge yourself with. When this fast concludes, how do you want your life to be different? Will settling back into your old routines redistance yourself from Christ and thus null the entire impact of the fast in the first place? And then the last thing is, what are you hoping to learn or experience from this fast? Uh, I hope you enjoy fasting and combining that with prayer as well. And I hope you enjoyed uh, this message and uh, I hope 
to see you all soon at the North site. It has been a long time and I would love to see your beautiful faces. Have a great rest of your week. We will see you soon. Bye.